say along with my wife how thrilled we are for each of our guests that are with us this morning. We're going to get right into the Word of the Lord. James chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, would like to turn with me. James chapter 1, I'm going to read one verse from verse number 15 of James chapter 1. Amen. James chapter 1, verse 15. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. I'm going to preach by the help of the Lord for a little while this morning on the law of sin, the law of sin. Would you pray with me one more time? I know we've already prayed, but let's pray together once more today. Lord Jesus, I need your help this morning to speak what you have laid upon my heart for this congregation today. I pray, Lord, that every heart and life and mind is inspired by the Word of God that you speak. Lord, the things that I failed to speak this morning, that by the Spirit of God you impart it to every heart. I thank you today and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. God bless you. You can be seated today. The law of sin. For, for some people, I suppose there, there's nothing more boring than the tedious amount of unending regulations that the Lord has given us in the book of Leviticus. Not many people just read the book of Leviticus for entertainment. In fact, when most people attempt to read through the Bible, I've had some ask, Pastor, can I just skip over this book of Leviticus? It's not making a lot of sense to me. It can be difficult. I think out of the entire story, I find one interesting story uh, in the book of Leviticus, uh, and it's the story of Nadab and Abihu. Um, everything else is, is dealing with issues such as sacrifices and list of clean and unclean things. And, of course, the Scripture deals with all of the things that you should eat and shouldn't eat and the way it was to be done and how it was to be dealt with. It even dealt with certain sicknesses. I looked to see how many times that the New Testament quoted Leviticus and... Um, I was amazed to find that nobody in the New Testament ever quoted from the book of Leviticus that I could find. Even Jesus, I never find Jesus quoting from the book of Leviticus. Uh, they, they would quote from Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, but they seemed to skip over that book of Leviticus. It would appear that perhaps it could be the most, uh, maybe it's, it's among the most um, uninteresting, maybe I should use the word, books of the Bible, um, except it, it really, uh, it isn't really boring at all. Second uh, Timothy chapter 3 tells us that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness, that, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So with that, we understand that the book of Leviticus is, can't even hardly pronounce the word sometimes. The, the book of Leviticus sometimes can even be difficult 
Um, but even the book of Leviticus is profitable, which means there are powerful lessons that can be learned from this book. And one such lesson is found in Leviticus chapter 14, where the scripture begins to deal with leprosy. And it, of course, in this 14th chapter of Leviticus, it talks about this disease of leprosy. And, of course, while it is literally physically dealing with leprosy, everything in that passage of Scripture is actually equating to the New Testament and is equating to sin. Does that make sense to you this morning? Without us getting this foundation, you will probably miss most of what I'm going to say today. So we have to, to recognize that Leviticus often speaks in things that were very real and literal in that day, but in the New Testament where we live no longer, no longer under the bondage of law with the outcome, there are still certain laws and certain rules and certain things that follow through in its typology, meaning that leprosy is also a type of sin. So when you read about leprosy, what you read of leprosy, you can type over and use it in conjunction with sin because if it fits in leprosy, it fits in sin. And so Leviticus 14 tells us about this disease that turned people into the walking dead. You, you couldn't miss the fact, though... Those who had leprosy, were they were dying. Uh, the New Testament talks about the law of sin and death. There is a law of sin, and the law of sin always leads to death. Uh, you, you couldn't miss the fact that someone who had leprosy would eventually die. They die on the inside and the outside. There, were, uh, there was something going on on the inside that was not visible, but then there were also physical things that were happening on the outside. I, I saw a friend of mine post a meme yesterday. Uh, I decided not to share it, although it was very, very tempting, but uh, one of the memes I saw him share on social media yesterday uh, mentioned that, uh, that before... Uh, that, that people are much like old cars, that before they quit, they start missing. That'll, that'll settle in here in a moment. It, it's, it's true. There, there are things that type over, and leprosy and sin are one of those things. Uh, it was obvious from the disfigurement of the body that someone perhaps had leprosy. It would affect their fingers and their, their nose and their ears. The far extremities uh, and appendages of the body would be affected. Leprosy didn't start there. It would start with very small specks on the eyelid and on the palms of the hands. And gradually, very slowly and very methodically, leprosy would spread over the entire body. One of the effects of the disease is that it created severe neuropathy. In other words, it 
uh, destroyed the nerve endings and the victim reached a point where they could no longer feel pain or realize that they were being injured or realize that they were hurting because the nerve endings would literally die and they could break a bone and not even realize it because the nerve endings were dead. In other words, they were becoming, uh, their feelings and their senses were becoming seared. Thus, they'd end up damaging and destroying parts of their body without even realizing. Do you see this type of sin at work in the world today? Sin does not begin in murder. It doesn't begin in adultery. It doesn't begin in thievery. Uh, but, But sin begins as a small thing. It begins as something very small. It, 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 it was a ho- leprosy was a horrible way to die because it was such a gradual process. And although leprosy wasn't excessively contagious, there was some possibility of infection. So lepers were social outcasts. They were required to live outside the camp and unable to take part in uh, any of the sacrifices offered at the tabernacle. It, uh, leprosy excluded them from the house of God. What a horrible, horrible disease. Now, there, there were other diseases that a person could have, but no other disease that I could find in Scripture was treated quite like leprosy. You, you could suffer from the indignities of the flu. You could have an infection or you could be paralyzed. You could have cancer or heart disease. But none of these diseases would require you to go through the process uh, because not everybody who uh, got leprosy had to die. That is the incredible story of Leviticus chapter 14 was that not everybody who contracted leprosy were going to die. There were some who could get leprosy, and there was the process uh, of being healed and uh, the purification that they had to go through, and they could be cleansed. Do you see the typology of leprosy and sin here? Sin will always lead to death. If there is not a remedy that steps in somewhere and that sin has been dealt with in the hands of the Lord. Only leprosy called for a person who was healed that they had to go and show themselves to the priest. I want you to catch this. I'm teaching you some things this morning and then we're going to lock in and preach for the last few minutes today. But leprosy called for the person who was healed from leprosy. They had to go and present themselves to the priest. There were no other disease that required a man to go present himself to the priest. They had to shave their head. They were required to bathe their bodies. And they were required to make sacrifices before their God. It didn't just, they didn't just wake up one morning and decide to pronounce that they were healed of leprosy, but they, there was a process that they had to go through. And uh, during their healing and during the process, there was the shaving of the head. There was the bathing of the body. 
And there were the sacrifices that were be to be made known uh, before the Lord. Leprosy was the only disease that called for the leper himself to come into God's presence and to ask for cleansing. Let me help you here this morning because I'm drawing some parallels from Old Testament to New Testament today. But uh, you can be healed from leprosy, but not be cleansed from leprosy. Now, I want you to hold on to that thought now. There is a difference between cleansing and healing. Now, if you missed this this morning, if you're already asleep on me, I apologize. Wake up your neighbor and tell them, pastor's going to tell you something here in a minute that's going to, that's going to help you, all right? Uh, you, you had to, they first were healed, but then they had to be cleansed. There was a difference between healing and cleansing. Can I pause here for a moment to talk to you a little bit about sin? The Bible says that God is faithful and just to forgive our sins. Somebody ought to thank the Lord for the forgiveness of God. He is faithful and just to forgive our sins. But then there is more to the process than just being forgiven. But those sins also need to be removed. That is the cleansing of the sin. That is the taking away of the sin. Anybody with me today? And so just like leprosy could be healed, they then had to go and show themselves to the priest. Then when showing themselves to the priest, the priest, of course, then could announce them after inspection upon them. He could announce them clean. Sin in its original state only has one end result, and that is death. But one can be forgiven from sin, that is, through repentance and calling on the Lord. The word repentance means to do an about face. It is a change of mind, heart, attitude, spirit, and action. One actually changes, turns around, and goes another direction in their life. They have made a decision to go a complete other direction. That person is a repented individual. They still bear the scars of sin. They still bear the marks of sin. They still carry the weight of sin upon them, but yet the guilty verdict has been lifted off of them. In other words, God has forgiven the sin, meaning he is withholding punishment off of them for a space of time, waiting to see how they are going to deal with what they have been forgiven of. Then the option comes for us to go to water baptism in the name of Jesus, calling on the name of the Lord. The Bible says that that is for remission of sin. Everybody say remission. It is for remission of sins. That word remission means to put a stop to it, to to cleanse, to wash away, not by water, but being washed away in water uh, by the blood of Jesus being applied to our life as we call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the law of sin is that one must first repent of his sin and then he must be baptized in the name of Jesus. 
Jesus Christ. Can I tell you this morning that if you've never repented of your sin, you are on a one-way track to death. The Bible says that sin leads to death. But the great news for you this morning is that if you tell the Lord, look at me God, I am a sinner. I am undone. I am lost. I am guilty. I am no good. I am unclean. Lord, would you help me today? Would you forgive me today? The Bible says that godly sorrow worketh repentance or it leads to repentance when one repents of their sins. God is so faithful and God is so just that he forgives that sin. And if you repent of your sin, there is no reason not to go to water baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ because that is the equivalent of one showing himself to the priest, bringing about the sacrifice of repentance and now being buried in water baptism, bringing himself. You see, nobody else could go for the leper. Let me help you this morning. The leper, according to Leviticus chapter 14, the leper had to go and he had to take himself to the priest. He had to show himself to the priest. There's no other sin. There's no other disease. There's no other affliction. They could all send a sacrifice. As a matter of fact, a man's sin in that day could be rolled ahead, not remitted like it is today, not forgiven like it is today, not washed away like it is today in the New Testament life, but in the Old Testament, they would have to have a substitute sacrifice. That is, that they would take a lamb, a spotless lamb, and they would take that lamb and they would offer that firstborn male lamb without blemish and without spot, a perfect type of Jesus Christ. And they took it to the priest, and the priest would inspect the lamb, and he would look the lamb over, and the priest would sacrifice the lamb. And when he sacrificed the lamb, he would take the blood, and he would take that blood from the lamb and he would sprinkle the blood about around and upon the different points and ports and and positions of the tabernacle. Can I tell you this morning that once and for all Jesus Christ became the spotless lamb for you and for me. He shed his blood. His blood ran down to save you and save me. He didn't have to go back to the cross now but there was enough blood shed on Calvary to potentially save the entire world. Thank God for the blood that washes white as snow. But the leper had to go and had to show himself. He couldn't send a sacrificial lamb in his, in, his, in his stead. He couldn't send somebody else on his behalf. He had to go. You see, the leper, he was unclean. He wasn't allowed in the tabernacle. If he came in contact with other people, he had to cry unclean. He, the leper would lose his, his identity. He had to move 
move away from the crowd. He was not allowed to live inside the city. They lost their dignity. A leper would, was repulsive to society. Everything that the leper touched was defiled and considered unclean. Uh, only sin, you see, understand this this morning, only sin can actually match that of leprosy because only sin can cause a man's heart to become defiled like leprosy. Only sin can do that. I know over the last few days there have been some concerns about things that are happening in the world, particularly in the political arena. I've heard so many different statements made, so many different opinions shared, and I have refrained from sharing any opinion because I have to tell you it's very difficult in a time like this to, to, to support anybody uh, that is so immoral. And uh, I, I have looked at this situation and prayed over it and I have reached a point of just putting it into the hands of God and saying, God, the Bible said you put kings up and take kings down. I'm trusting you because I see it all lining up to the end time. But this much I know none of us really should be too shocked at anything that we see because these are unrepented sinners. These are not religious leaders. These are not, these are political figures that are unreligious. I've got to tell you that sin will take you farther than you ever thought you would go. While some of us may have been shocked over the last few days, can I tell you, don't be shocked by sin. It will take you further. It will keep you longer. And it will cost you more than you could possibly ever imagine. Now, remember with me that Exodus chapter 14 in the typology of leprosy was written long before Jesus ever cleansed the leper. Although it was near impossible, few survived leprosy because God made a plan for leprosy from the beginning of time. You see, it was called the law of the lepers. And the law of the leper was, it was uh, a very strategic plan. It wasn't an oversimple plan. It was an elaborate plan. Why would God make such a ceremony for this disease? I believe because this disease perfectly represented redemption from sin. Thus, it equates to the law of sin. God was using leprosy as an object lesson for the church. He wanted us to understand what sin looks like to Him. That was because sin, like leprosy, would destroy a man or woman from the inside out. Like leprosy, sin deadens us to the pain of our iniquities. Because of sin, our conscience can become seared and we can become callous to the real effects day to day of sin in our lives. We become callous to it. We become rigid to it. And so the Lord gives us this story in Leviticus chapter 14. Ephesians 4 describes religious people who get caught up in their sin. 
in Ephesians 4 and 18, the scripture says, they having the understanding darkened. Watch now. Their understanding is darkened, being alienated, alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Who being past feeling, verse 19 says, it's talking about being calloused. Who being past feeling, giving themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanliness. Like leprosy, sin starts out with a small spot in our lives, spreads through our entire being. People will say things like, this This isn't really an addiction. Uh, I, I'm just going to use this for a small amount of pleasure for a short amount of time. I can handle this addiction. It's not really an addiction. It's just something I want to do. Uh, They'll say it's just a small thing that I'm going to do for a little while, but I intend to get back right with God before it is too late. Over the last few weeks, I've rubbed shoulders with several people that have once known the Lord and have left God and left the church and walked away from the things of God. I've put my arms around one the other day and said, I love you. I miss you. I want to see you back in the house of God. His response to me at that moment was, I intend to come back. I intend to come back. See, there is good intentions with a lot of people. I intend to come back. It was never, you see, they didn't start out where they are. It was a small thing that took them further and further and further away. James chapter 1 and verse 15 in our text says that when lust hath conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. The the, the little compromises grow into big sins until our consciousness is deadened. And like leprosy, sin spreads through our lives. Just like the lepers of old, people get caught up in their sin. And they are dying and they don't even know it. They have good intentions. They think things will be different. They often don't even know it because their hearts have become hardened, and they lose all sensitivity to the pain of what they are doing. Their sin starts out small and grows to the point that it begins to dominate their life, but they still think it's just a small thing. Their sin is disfiguring the person that we once knew. They now are becoming a person that is unrecognizable. We don't even know who they are because of their sin. Anybody with me this morning? It's what sin does. They begin to act ways that we never thought possible. They begin to look ways we never thought possible. Everything about them is disfigured. The image of God is no longer visible in them. They are now on their way down the highway of death. It is a terrible thing because sin is a horrible way to die. To reinforce to you this morning the connection of how leprosy resembles sin, God often uses leprosy as a way of punishing sinners. In the desert, 
as people were making their way to the promised land. Miriam insulted her brother Moses and God struck her with leprosy because of the insult. King Uzziah was brought down with the disease after he forced his way into the temple and offered a sacrifice that he had no right to give. And the days of uh, the prophet Elisha, a man named Naaman, came to him to be healed of the disease. Elisha sent him down to the Jordan to dip seven times to be healed of his leprosy. And when he was healed, he returned gratefully and offered to give Elisha a substantial reward for his help. But Elisha refused his offer and sent him on his way. However, Elisha's servant Gehazi hurried after Naaman and lied to him, saying that this that, that his master had reconsidered the gift and wished to accept it. And now uh, it could be given to two other prophets who were in need. And when he uh, returned to Elisha, the prophet rebuked him and said that since he desired to have the gift from Naaman that he could also fall uh, heir to the man's disease. And Gehazi was struck with leprosy. Can I tell you this morning that sin is nothing to play with. Sin can anger God. Sin can make God become angry. I preach to you this morning. I intend to leave you with hope and not with a message of negativity. But I must warn you this morning, don't play around with God. Don't play around with sin because it's a sad thing. It is a horrible thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. Again and again throughout the Old Testament, God identified leprosy and sin because they were both terrible things in Scripture and they were horrible ways to die. Leviticus 14 offered a ray of hope because the law of the leper said that the, law, that the leper could be healed and that the leper could be cleansed. I want you to say that with me this morning, healed and cleansed. All right, I want you to get that in your spirit this morning, healed and cleansed. I also this morning want you to understand that if he were healed, then he would have an opportunity to be cleansed. This, is, this possibility was common enough in the Jewish temple that they had a specific area in the court for women dedicated to healed lepers to come and meet with the priest. I got to tell you this morning that that is why that the church must be very, very careful. We are called out from the world and we are not to be in the world or part of the world. But there must always be a place in the church. There must always be room in the house of God for the one that comes walking in the door that are not like you and I. For the one that walks in the door that comes from whatever background they may come from. There must always be a place in the church. There must always be room at the altar. There must always be a point where they can come. And we are not afraid of the sin that they walk in the door with. But we can embrace them, love them, care about them, pray over them, and see them forgiven and see their sins remitted by water baptism. 
baptism. Come on, Christian Life Church. It's time we understand that our church service is more than just coming and hearing great music and having some good evangelists preach. But our church service must be about a place where the leper can walk in and the leper can be cleansed and healed. Can I tell you this morning, the church has got to be a place where the sinner can come and find repentance and remission of their sin. The church must never block the door to the sinner, but we must swing the doors open and say, you're welcome here. This is the place where God dwells. This is your only hope. Oh, somebody give God a shout of praise today. The church is the only hope for the lost. The church is the only hope. We've got to make room for them. I want you to know this morning while our parking lot is full and our building is pleasantly full, i got to tell you there's always room for more. There's always room for more. We were meeting and planning this week, and I'll be saying more about it, maybe even in the service tonight or next week in the upcoming service. I'll be talking to you about it. But we have a couple of services coming up in the future in which we are going to put into practice this principle of giving back when we are going to identify that the service absolutely has nothing to do about me but everything to do about every member of this church finding a way and a place to be able to to serve in that service and we're going to do evangelism and we're going to bring guests in and we're going to treat them better than they've ever been treated in their life. You know why? Because this is a hospital. This is a place where they ought to want to come and where they ought to want to be ministered to because our service can't be about what I like. It's got to be about what he likes because it's ministering to the needs of the lost. One of the oddities about leprosy is that the leper could be healed of leprosy, but he wasn't cleansed until he fully obeyed the law. The issue about sin is there's a lot of people who deal with their sin by saying, I believe, I believed on God, but you can't truly be saved until you fulfill the law of salvation. Because there is a law of sin that sin will lead to death. You can repent and have your sins forgiven. You can believe on the Lord and that's a good thing. That's a great starting point. Somebody ought to say amen. Believing on the Lord is a good starting point. Repenting of your sin is a great step to take. But you've got to complete what God is starting in your life. There are people in this world who recognize the harm they've done to themselves and others. So they decide to change their lives. They try to undo the damage of their past. They try and may even be successful in becoming a better person. But on the inside, there's still filthy residue. Their souls are still soiled by the reminders of their past. Their guilt is still there. Their shame is still there. The pain is still there, and they don't understand it. I've heard them say, Pastor, I believed on God, I trusted in God, but I carry this weight and I carry this load with me. When David sinned with Bathsheba, he cried out to the Lord, Cleanse me, O God. Purge me with hyssop, he said. 
and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Create within me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. David had sinned and he was still overwhelmed by the filthiness of his soul. He recognized that God would be righteous if he destroyed him, but then David asked God to do something for him that he couldn't do for himself. He said, cleanse me, O God. You see, he now is moved into the point of not just saying, forgive me, O God. But now he is saying, cleanse me, O God. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. David was asking for God to do for him what he could not do for himself. I feel like this morning this is the very point that I needed to get to with this message. And I'll be closing quickly, but I want to remind you that in the tabernacle there were sacrifices and offerings for most everything imaginable. There was sacrificial land. There were turtle doves, there were oxen, there were bulls, the goats, there were male lambs and ewe lambs, there were burnt offerings and scent offerings and drink offerings, there were meat offerings and blood sacrifices, and they were all offered for different reasons. But for the leper, it was different from anything else. It wasn't about what they were bringing other than the fact they had to come show themselves to the priest. I know what it takes for the church to succeed. I'm a lifetime member of a church. I, this is all I've ever known. <coughs> I was born and raised in the church. I've been around the church. I've given to the church. But I learned one day that it wasn't what God was wanting for me to come and just use a talent for the church. It wasn't that God was just wanting me to give in the offerings or to be involved in some ministry. There's a lot of good people that come to church. They're looking for a way to fit in. They're looking for their place in the church. They come. They've believed on the Lord. They've trusted in God for salvation. They love Him. They walk with Him. They, they walk to the fullness of their understanding. But yet there is something that they carry on the inside. It is a weight that they carry. Can I tell you this morning, I may be preaching to some folks here today. You've asked God to forgive you and you know that he forgave you but you have not yet gone back for the cleansing. You have been healed but you haven't been cleansed. Anybody with me this morning? I feel like this morning that there may be somebody in this house that needs to make your way back to the high priest this morning. I'm not talking about coming to the preacher. I'm talking about the great high priest, Jesus Christ, the righteous, who is the propitiation for our sin. I'm talking about coming to the Lord this morning, coming back to him and saying, God, here I am. I'm coming to show myself to you. I repented of my sin one day and you forgave me, but I'm coming back this morning to show myself to you again because I want to be cleansed today, Lord. I want you to wash me today. I want you to cleanse 
cleanse me today. Anybody in the house feeling what I'm feeling in this room this morning? There's some folks carrying the weight of sin around with you. God is wanting to deliver you and to pronounce you clean this morning. You, you've been, you, you, you repented a long time ago, but God is wanting to announce you clean this morning. There is a law of sin, and that is that it leads to death. But there is also the law of salvation, and that is that it brings life everlasting. Can I come and preach to you this morning that there have been many lepers who were healed, but he couldn't send anybody in his stead, but he had to go to the priest and show himself. Can I tell you this morning that nobody can do it for you? Your priest can't do it for you. Your pastor can't do it for you. Your relative can't do it for you. Your money can't buy a place for you. What you've got to do is you've got to come with yourself, open and before the Lord. Here I am, Lord, open before you, bringing myself to you, humbled before you. Stand with me this morning if you would. Would there be one sinner this morning? Would there be one person this morning who maybe has repented of your sins, but you have never really allowed God, you've never gone back after repentance to allow God to create a clean heart? Maybe you've never been baptized in Jesus' name. We have water ready. Maybe you have never been filled with the Holy Ghost. I want to tell you this morning, there's nothing like it. God will fill you with a baptism of the Holy Ghost. It will change your life. It will empower you. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed in the room this morning. The church doors swing open today. As I call and reach out to every person in the room that I have preached to this morning. I call to you today. Have you been back to Calvary? Have you been back to the Lord today? Have you shown yourself to Him recently? Have you gone back to Him this morning? And have you said to Him, Lord, here I am, undone before you, unclean before you. Make me holy. Make me righteous. Cleanse me, O Lord. Renew a right spirit in me. I reach to you this morning, every man, woman, boy, or girl in this room today. The Holy Ghost is reaching for you this morning. God is reaching for you today. I just wonder today, would there be anybody in the room that would like to step from where you are and say, Pastor, I'm coming today. I'm coming just as I am to offer myself to the priest today, to offer myself to the high priest today. I want to be cleansed. I want to be new. your life holds you back. Don't let the things in your life hold you back. Oh, Lord. 